Welcome to Remember Your Why. I'm your host, Kristen. Many of us suffer from addiction and mental health, and we're here to talk about stories of success and recovery. Whether you're just starting out or have been on the healing journey for some time, it's important to always remember the why that brought you here to this very moment. What makes your heart tick? What sets your soul on fire? What or who inspires you? Whenever you are feeling on the brink of fight or flight, remember you have survived everything that's been thrown your way. Hold tight to that, because what is on the other side of the ugly are some pretty beautiful things that teach us some profound lessons. My hope for this podcast is that it will bring healing and peace to both my guests and the listeners, in some way, in some form. There truly is light on the other side of fear and darkness. Let's find it together. Welcome to Remember Your Why. I'm your host, Kristen, and today I'd like to welcome Danielle into the studio. Hi, Danielle. Hi. How are you? Thanks for joining me. You're very welcome. I'm excited, a little nervous, but excited. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, and don't be nervous. Okay, so I'm Danielle. I'm from Brooklyn. I have a history of addiction pretty much on and off since I'm a teenager. Started experimenting, you know, in high school, like everyone Mm -hmm. does, but kind of always knew that I needed more than everyone else, you know? Right. We'd go out and things like ecstasy and stuff. Someone would take one, I'd have to take two. I always had a higher tolerance than everybody else, you know? We'd all be out partying and sharing things and I'd have some extra stuff in my pocket like that no one knew about because I always needed just more. Yeah. Um, the disease of more. Yeah, absolutely. But I've been I've been clean now um September 13th, 2016. So this coming September, God willing, will be 8 years. Wow, congrats. So Thank happy you for very you. Thank you much. Thank you. I know um getting to sobriety is not an easy journey. Not an easy journey, and I know that you have been around for a lot of my journey, so you know that I have had <laughs> ups yes. and downs. Yeah, we both we both struggled a bit. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned you started um, as a young teenager. Mm-hmm. Do you find you were trying to just have fun or were you trying to escape something that led you to using substances? Oh, probably a little bit of both. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of went in and found the bad crowd. I kind of always did that. But there was definitely some stuff going on when I was younger that I would say that I was trying to escape. You know, I grew up in a house and I'm, I'm not blaming anyone for this, but I, I grew up in a very old school Italian household. That means that all the problems got swept under the rug. You know, everything was, right. you didn't talk about things outside of the house. There was no therapy. There was no talking to teachers like we teach the kids now. You know, there was what goes on in the house stays in the house. And that kind of stuff when you're a teenager um, and you don't have someone to talk to, you get a lot of anxiety. So I I always had a lot of anxiety, even as a a young teen, 13, 14, 15 years old. I remember them diagnosing me with asthma and giving me an inhaler. And that just made it worse. I didn't have asthma. I had anxiety. I would have panic attacks. Yeah. And those are tough. Yeah, for sure. And at like 15, you don't know what's going on, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned you know, you weren't able to really talk about anything, any problems mm-hmm. or any issues or any feelings mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. So then the drinking and drugging was 
and escape. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it started, it started with just drinking and, you know, some marijuana use. And then all the things that we did back then, there was acid and cocaine and then the rave scene. So, you know, that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you the truth, the thing that brought me to my knees, because all those things, I was always able to just you know, party and, and obviously black out and I would go on on rips where it would be like weeks at a time. Don't get me wrong. Right. But the pills are the things that brought me to my knees. And that wasn't until I'd say my 30s. Um, I had got married at 30. I got pregnant with my son right away. Um, and then I had him and just started with like back pain and these headaches that no one knew what was going on. And I was going back and forth to doctors. I think I had five or six um, spinal taps in, in a few month period because they kept having wow. to drain, long story short, the cerebral spinal fluid. Turns out I had something that I needed brain surgery for. They put a shunt in, but I was going blind and the headaches that I was getting were just like incapacitating. I wasn't able to really function. And during wow. that time was when the opioid crisis, I guess, was first starting because you would go to doctors and they would give you 120 pills every single month. And mm -hmm. at first it was just for the pain. And then very, very quickly, I became addicted to those pills. And with my super high tolerance, I needed five or 10, whereas other people would take one, you know, and right. then it was just a matter of not being sick. And I was addicted to those pills for a very, very long time. Yeah, I think the the that crisis is it's still very prominent right yeah. now. And it's a problem. Absolutely. You know, doctors just handing out these pills and these meds, quote unquote, you know, they tell you they're going to help you get better. Um, when in reality, look at what happens to so many who struggle with addiction. It's how it starts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's not that I ever thought that I was like better than anyone else. But, you know, I, in my head, it was always like, I'm taking pills like these are prescribed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Really you made easy sense to write it off as, I'm not doing anything wrong right now. Right. Yeah. So you were addicted to pills for how long? Oh, gosh. I want to say at least four years, but maybe even a little bit more. The thing that finally got me to, to like look at myself and say, like, I need help right now. I was losing everything. My marriage was shit. Someone had even called uh, ACS. Um, adult uh, for children um, services. I was losing my job. My family hadn't spoken to me in a while. Like basically everything was falling apart, mm -hmm. but those pills were very expensive. <laughs> so yeah, you know, the, the prescriptions were, were no longer enough. So I was also buying on the outside and I was running out of money um, and I was very sick. And I remember one day I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, well, you can go and buy heroin because it's what, $5 or something, you know what I mean? Cheaper. And growing up my whole life, I dealt with addiction, even as a kid with other family members. And heroin mm -hmm. was always something that I was afraid of. It was it was the thing that I would never try. I tried everything else, but I wasn't going to try that. And looking at yeah. myself in the mirror that day, knowing that that's what I was about to go and do, it scared me. And it kind of scared me straight. And I remember calling my mom that day, and I hadn't spoken to her in probably months. She was, you know, done with me at that point. Um, right. And I just called her and I said, Ma, I need help. And that woman got on the phone, you know, Deb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she got on the phone and she called everywhere that she could. And she found me a place in Miami. And I think I was out a few days later. Wow. Thank God that you mm -hmm. had that moment, you know, yeah, where you for sure. Because that would turn really, really ugly. Yeah. You might not be sitting here um, because the, 
the heroin addiction is, I think, honestly, the worst right now. Yeah. It's not even, you know, the same drugs that people did 20 years ago. This this stuff mm-hmm. will kill you. Yeah. It's just straight fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you got scary. into, it's very scary. It scares that, honestly, that was the drug that scared the shit out of me too. Mm-hmm. It's just so sad to see people get so addicted to it and just yeah. lose their lives. So you went to rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, how long were you there for? Um, I did a whole like 30 days, did the rehab. I was like I said, I was in Miami. And then when I was coming back, that's probably the hardest moment. You know, there was a question that you sent me that that was like, what did you survive or something? You know, and I was thinking about all the stories, all the terrible things that I did in active addiction. And I was like, okay, maybe I can choose the worst one. But that's not what people need to hear. People need to hear that when I came out of rehab and I came home, that was probably one of the hardest things. Like just because you're clean doesn't mean now life is easy, you know? So I came home and I had nothing. My marriage was over. I didn't even have my car anymore. My parents got rid of that because I wasn't really paying it. I lost my apartment. So it was like, what was I going to do? I had to build my life from nothing. Yeah. And I did. And I went and I stayed in Long Island at a sober house for as long as I needed to. And I did intensive outpatient for nine months. And this is all like, I'm already a mom. I'm in my thirties. This is not where I want to be in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I needed that time to get me stronger and to get my head right. And that way I was able to get back and and build my life back. Yeah, it takes it takes what it takes. It takes and, what it you know, takes. We're each individually different and you know how we get sober. And I think struggling is part of the journey. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of when we really find out who we are at the core. And without it, you know, we like you said, we wouldn't be the strong people, the strong women that we are today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always say that, you know, I, I think and especially like growing up because we weren't supposed to be talking about things. So you grow up with a level of shame when you're talking about addiction and mental illness and stuff like that. And I don't feel that shame anymore. You know, I, I got to a point where like, I like myself now. And like you just said, that struggle made me who I am. You know, I know that I am a strong person and that I have overcome everything that I've ever been through. So when something really bad happens, as much as I may want to cry about it or whatever, like, Okay, Daniel, you can get through this. You've been through enough. So yeah, you're still standing, exactly. you know, on your own two feet. And now you're doing it sober. Sober. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still a fun person. <laughs> Who knew? I know. And that's the thing. Right. Who knew? You know, that's the thing too. Like when I, I, I thought if I got sober, all the fun would be gone. You know, yes. I wouldn't be going out partying anymore. Like what was there? What was left? Yeah, right. But right. there's so much because we just are so involved in our are partying and using that we don't realize what's really out there for us to experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love getting to know myself in this way. You know what I mean? So like Mm -hmm. in my twenties, I partied the whole time in my thirties, I was addicted to pills the whole time. And now it's like in my forties, I'm finally kind of learning who I am and how to function like a normal human. (laughs) It's a daily process. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'd rather be doing this than, you know, oh, back God, in the old days. Oh, then, for sure. Yeah, it's it's crazy to look back and, mm-hmm. and remember all the things that, you know, you did in active addiction and you're just a shell of a person and you're just like, do you look back and you're like, who was that? Like, how was that me? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and also like obviously I had no fear or no concern for like my life or even other people because I look back and I'm like you should have been dead or in jail or how would you things that I would look back and just say I would never do that now. But I wasn't thinking. I wasn't in my right mind. Yeah. No, we were sick. And I mean, that leads me to ask you, a lot of people don't think that addiction is a disease. And they think that it's just we drink and we use just because, mm-hmm. but it's actually a disease. Do you Absolutely. do you feel that that you know a lot of people don't believe that? I do still think a lot of people don't believe that. As you know, I, I work in healthcare, and mm-hmm. I even see it at work that a lot of people don't believe it. And that's it's really hard for for me, like as an addict, because I do know. Yes, I chose to experiment. I chose to do certain things, but a lot of other people also made that choice. Um, Mm -hmm. And they were able to function, you know, the next day and be fine. Whereas it's kind of like a frenzy that I, that's how I explain it, that it starts like in my brain and I just need more and more and more. That kind of thing is not something that you choose. So, you know, I talked to my kid about it. I think it's hereditary. I think addiction has been in my family for a long time and it will probably continue to be. So I worry about like my kid and what he's going to go through. Um, right. But I think that now, you know, the older we get and, and in this day and age, it's okay. And that's a great thing to start talking about these things. So, you know, I think as long as you keep open communication, hopefully um, they'll be okay. The kid's coming up now. Yeah. And I think back when we were in school, you know, they had the D.A.R.E. program, but that was, <laughs> remember that? Yeah. And it was supposed to scare us straight. You know uh-huh. what I mean? But for me, I just thought it was stupid. But oh, absolutely. I, I think there needs to be more discussions in schools about mm-hmm. both addiction and mental health um, mm-hmm. because it's so, so prominent. And I don't think it's talked about enough. No. Yeah, it's definitely not. Um, yeah, we had, I remember like, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Yes. yes. And it was all, but there needs to be like real conversations. You know what I mean? I feel like they, they made us believe that we were going to go trick or treating or something and people were just going to give us drugs. <laughs> that never right. happened. But yes. talk about the peer pressure from your friends and the stuff out there that's going to kill you and, and being able to, to ask for help when you need it. That's, that's the important stuff that they need to know. Yeah, I agree. Do you think that there's a stigma surrounding addiction? A hundred percent still to this mm-hmm. day. And that's, that's what I'm so glad you're doing your podcast for. And, and I want people to know, you know, I grew up in a, in a good family, you know, even though there's, there's a history there, it's still, it's a good family. We all went to college, you know, my brother and sisters, I have a master's degree. I have a very good job and this can happen to absolutely anyone. It doesn't have yes. to be just, you know, the homeless guy on the street. It could be the CEO in that like multi-million dollar company too who's struggling with addiction. It happens to anyone. Yeah. Addiction does not discriminate. Mm -hmm. Um, It it can be, like you said, absolutely anybody. And I feel like also growing up, we were taught that it was like the homeless guy, you know, stumbling down the street with the paper, like the brown paper bag, you know, Mm -hmm. the bottle in there. But it's anybody. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's a lot more functioning, supposedly, addicts out there than than we even know about. Yeah, quote unquote functioning. You know, I felt like... (laughs) I felt like we were just. You didn't know, right? Well, me too. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) When in reality, we were just maintaining our our addiction. Mm -hmm. 
and all of our vices. That's all we were doing. Absolutely. And thinking, at least for me, that I hid it so much better than I really did because I swore no one knew what was going on. Oh, yeah. That's another funny funny thing. We told ourselves so many lies. (laughs) Definitely. So many. What is the most important lesson that you've learned this year? Um... I think just that, like, not to keep things to myself. It's very hard for me to ask for help still. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I realize that I really do have people that I can talk to, people that love me no matter what. You know, my family is is huge for me. Um, They've been there for me through everything. And I'm very, very lucky to have them because there are people who have been homeless and, you know, on the street because they don't have the type of family that I have. So I think I just learned to appreciate them more and and talk to them when I need to and not hold everything in. Yeah, having that support is so crucial. Absolutely. Um, so your relationships have obviously improved um, since sobriety. Yeah, so much so. So much so. Yeah. And it, I'm so happy for that because there was definitely a point Um, And even, you know, like I was saying before, when you first get clean and you come home and you think like, I'm good now, you know, you have Mm -hmm. to, people have been hurt by you and they don't trust you. And you know that you have to build that back. And the only way to build that back is through actions. You know, you can say whatever it is that you want to say, but they're used to your stories. So you have to, yeah, you have to do it with action. And it took me a while, but my relationships are great now. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, We have to show them you know, that we're working on ourselves, that we're, we are changing mm-hmm. um, for the better to yeah. be the best yeah, version of so. ourselves. So what do you, what would you say to somebody who is struggling with addiction? What is the best piece of advice that you would give somebody if they're listening right now? Make wherever you are your bottom. Like, you know, people say they have to hit bottom. They have to hit bottom. I hit bottom so many times that I, I learned that rock bottom really does have a basement. You know, there is always something, mm-hmm. someplace lower that you can go. So trapdoor. Yeah. Don't, don't wait. Like wherever you are, have that be your bottom. Ask for help. Don't be ashamed. There, there are so many people that love you and want to help you. Um, and they're just waiting for that call, you know? Yeah. Don't be afraid to reach out because yeah. bottling up everything inside is just not, it's not going to end well. No, it's so bad. I, you know, the depression and the anxiety that comes along with that and with addiction, it's just, it's not a good place to be alone. No, it's nasty. And they go yeah. hand in hand. Um, addiction and mental health are yeah. just like two peas in a pod. For sure. What are you most grateful for? My life, like my job, my my family, and my son. My son is is the the literal reason why I do everything. I mean, he saved my life. You know, there was a point when I was really bad in active addiction that I didn't care if I lived or died. But I had a, a young baby at the time. He was maybe three or four when I finally went in to ask for help, and he needed me. So. He saved me. I got better for him. And literally everything I do now is for him. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. You know, you find what that that blessing is and what's gonna what makes you happy. And and if you hold on to that, um, whether it's your child, a friend that means a lot to you, a family member, mm-hmm. you know, find find somebody and something to hold on to that makes you wanna succeed and get Absolutely. better. Absolutely. Until you can want that for yourself, you know? Yeah. It's okay to do it for somebody else until you until you finally find the strength to do it for you. I know that if I'm not good, I'm for myself, I'm not good for anybody else. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and we can, you know, and we still just because we're sober 
like you said earlier, uh, we touched upon, it doesn't mean that you're fixed. You know, this is a daily reprieve that we have to fight for our lives, honestly. Some days are easier than others. Do you find yourself living by the, you know, one day at a time kind of slogan? No, and I wish I did, actually. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was saying to somebody the other day, I I still have so much anxiety that I deal with, right? And I think that you know, when we're depressed, we're, we're often living in the past, right? And when we're anxious, we're often living in the future. And mm-hmm. that's me. I still am a planner. I still am always thinking about tomorrow. I, I work every single day to be present and think about what is happening right now. So even though that that's a struggle for me, it's something that I do try to do. Yeah, it is hard. I, yeah. I try to live the one day at a time, but it's a tricky thing. <laughs> it you know, is. It's- it's because you go backwards, you go forwards, and then you just got to stay. Like, look where your feet are. Somebody told me that, you know, when I was just early on getting sober, like, look where your feet are. Mm-hmm. That's where you are. Yeah. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that Yeah. That's something that, that kind of I hold on to. Mm-hmm. Look where your feet are. Yeah. Fill in the blanks for me. Okay. All right. When I am blank, I feel most like myself. (laughs) So I feel like I talked about them so much today, but when I'm with my family, I feel most like myself. They're the people that know me even when I'm trying to hide what's going on, you know? So yeah, absolutely. And you have a lovely family. (laughs) (laughs) I have the the joy of knowing them myself. Absolutely. (laughs) My journey has led me to believe in. Myself. And my strengths um, and resilience. And like I just said, like I said before, I feel like I can get through anything. So like bring it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, after all that we've been through, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's easier to tackle whatever comes our way now in sobriety, but we have the tools. The tools. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. I think before I definitely did not have those tools um, Mm -hmm. and all the years, you know, working on myself. That's, that's really what it is because I still, I still mess up all the time. Um, Like I said, I still get really bad anxiety, but now I get anxiety and I know that I can breathe or, you know, listen to music and I know what helps me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's exactly what it is, Coop. It's the tools that I have now to help. And without those, yeah, I don't think we'd be able to, you know, handle everything. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Are you able to now go out, you know, to restaurants and, and places and be around alcohol? Does it still affect you? Like, do you still some days want to or wish like, oh, I wish I could have that glass of wine? Um, you know, like that was never really my problem, you know, for me, like drinking, it kind of just gives me a headache and stuff anyway. Like I'm not really a big drinker. So for me, it's, it's kind of fine, but there are days I will tell you where I still get migraines and my back still hurts. And for me, the, my biggest trigger was always like physical pain. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'll take a Motrin, but yeah, I mean, do I ever like want to reach for something stronger? I think about it and then I, I have to, like they say, play the tape. I was just going (laughs) to say that. I know exactly where that is going to lead me. Um, and yeah, so that's, but those are the thoughts that I have more so. Yeah. Okay. You are never too young or old to. You're never too old or young to, to 
keep learning about yourself. I think like what we were saying before, you know, I'm I'm like 45 years old and I'm finally figuring out who I am and the things I like and, you know, stuff like that. And I feel like, you know, if you're an addict and you're in your 40s and 50s and 60s, like it's fine. You can still ask for help. You can still change your life. I think it doesn't matter your age. You can always, you can always reach out, get help you need and, and change. I mean, you still have life left. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wasted half my life, you know, and it's a blur. But like you said, now we're learning about ourselves. So you have to just, again, look where your feet are. That's just, I tell myself that all the time because otherwise- I think the same, like, did I waste all that time? But we didn't because, you know, we got stronger. We learned who we were. And Mm -hmm. I'm loving my 40s, I just have to say. (laughs) Like, I always thought that was going to be old, but no, I love it. Okay, good to know. I turned 40 in, in May. So I'm like, I'm I know, still I know. Little, you're almost there. Yeah, I'm struggling a bit. But you know, <laughs> it's 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 better than not getting older. So that's what I tell myself. Absolutely. And you look amazing still. So thank you. So tell me this. What is your favorite quote? Do you have a favorite quote that you go to? I feel like all of my favorite quotes are from Alice in Wonderland. So I'm going to go. There's good ones. Yes, they're so good. She says, it's no use going back to yesterday because I was a different person then. Oh, yeah. Yes. I feel that like in my soul, you know, I, I think about the person that I was yesterday but I'm a completely different person then you know so when people people sometimes want to judge and go back to how I was before and you can do that but I don't live there anymore you know so mm-hmm. yeah we're ever changing as people absolutely and I think if we weren't then what would we be yeah how do you remember your why your purpose? I look at my why every single day <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I mean, my son is is the reason why I I, I fight to stay strong and to keep going. And I have to be good for me so that I can be good for him. Yeah, we have to make sure that we're okay because Mm -hmm. otherwise we're we're not going to be beneficial to anybody else if we're not right with ourselves. Absolutely. So self care, very, very important. Yes. Yes. Any last parting words for anybody who is struggling out there? I, you know, I just think it can be so dark and lonely when you're in that place, especially the worst of it. I I remember, you know, just the weeks leading up to that time that I actually called my mom and it's horrible and it feels like you're not going to get out of it. But if you put in the work, you will, you absolutely will. You can change your life and you can, you know, do good things and have people that love you again. Yeah, you can absolutely build a better life for yourself. Mm-hmm. So to anybody out there, never give up. Never give up. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Coop. This is Remember Your Why.